Welcome into this week's edition of AWA Unleashed. We are the self-proclaimed number one preeminent podcast dedicated to telling the stories and reliving the memories of what we consider to be the best territory uh, in the history of wrestling, the American Wrestling Association based out of Minneapolis, St. Paul, but really had a, a significant influence in the upper Midwest. And as we found out later on in the history of professional wrestling, not sports entertainment, that shit sucks. It's pro wrestling. All right. You can see on the screen, if you're watching, my name is Chris Tubbs, but I'm going to stop talking because I see that there are two guys that, Joe, you were making some sort of like facial uh, thing at me. Was that on purpose or were you just like yawning? Was I boring you? Gas. On my part or yours? Sure. You know what? Ne- never mind. Never mind. Uh, hey, guys, this is a fun one. This is about the best bleeders and brawlers in the history of the AWA. And we asked for your input. And thank you to everybody that chimed in on the YouTube comments, Facebook, Twitter, uh, of course, the, the emails, uh, podcast at gmail.com. That is the email to use when we ask for your input. And we're going to ask for more input at the end of the show. So we get another uh, kind of, you know, we want your help on this because ultimately this is a show that is about you guys. It's about the fans. That's the reason this thing was created is because I'm a fan. I want to know about things that I don't know. And I got two guys that were employed by Vern Gagne that worked in the AWA in several capacities. And that's why this show works. That being said, guys, um, I know before we get to it and we get to taking care of some business, uh, you can see 7th Avenue Pizza up there, thebomb.com. That's what the kids say, the cat's meow. 7th Avenue Pizza, best frozen pizza on the market. Uh, Check it out, any of your local grocers uh, in the upper Midwest. You can't find it. Hit me up. And then uh, also Soda Stick, uh, sodastickco.com. That's where you can get your AWA Unleashed. You can get your merchandise there. Uh, AWA Unleashed. Use the Unleashed promo code for 15% off. All right, guys. um, We're going to get to Bleeders and Brawlers. But again, Mick, we were talking about this before we started recording. This is becoming a pretty regular occurrence, and it's not any fun. No, you know, it's it's. I guess we're at that age, Chris, or, you know, and, and uh, so many of the legends are passing away, you know, from back in the day. So this past week, uh, Beverly Shade, uh, she went by the name Beverly the Hammer Shade, when she worked in pro wrestling, tremendous heel. Uh, she had a tag team, a longtime tag team with a, a lady who has also passed, uh, Tracy Richards. Um, and Bev uh, also held the NWA Ladies Tag Team Championship for a short time with another gal who's no longer with us, uh, Natasha. And uh, Bev, uh, I can't say enough good things about her. You know, she was a mainstay at Cauliflower Alley Club, including all the other um, awards around the country, the award conventions and what have you, uh, halls of fame, just a terrific lady. And uh, she passed away uh, just a few days ago as we're recording this. Wonderful gal. Loved talking old school wrestling with her. And they're just, they're, they're dropping. And uh, very, very sad. And there, there's a picture of Bev that was taken a few years ago at Cauliflower Alley Club. And she was so universally respected uh, by the ladies, uh, that not only her peers, but the ones that followed her. So... Godspeed, Bev. This is a real loss for the wrestling community in general. You know, yeah, another one lost. And for a long time, um, I always grieved when somebody passed um, until my dad passed away. Um, The initial grief was there, and then it turned into, I'm not mourning the loss. I'm celebrating the life. There you go. And in... The case of AWA Unleashed, um, I I guess the best that I could offer is that I hope that we can provide a little bit of that celebration of someone's life, of someone's career, uh, of of what they did 
in the AWA in professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. So extremely sad Beverly Shade has passed away. Um, nice little mini tribute to her, Mick. Um, for her and for all of those that have passed and that will pass away, um, I'm going to just stick with the celebration of life, not the morning of the passing. Um, for what that's worth, do whatever makes you feel best, but um, I guess that helps me deal with uh, the losses that just seem to be mounting week after week. Well, you know, and in my case, Joe, I look at it as, you know, it's a history. I grew up with all these legends, and it's it's sobering. But as you said, a celebration of life is perfect. Um, and it really goes to show and, and brings into clarity just how great the golden era was in this business and just what tremendous professionals uh, these trailblazers were and, you know, it is what it is today. You know, we're not going to knock, you know, uh, wrestlers that get into the ring. But the sport itself has changed. But the legacies continue. Mm -hmm. And that's, like you guys were saying, that's one of the reasons of the show. To, to pay homage to those that have done it. Those that, as the saying goes, they need their, they deserve their flowers. Not that they need them, but they deserve their flowers. So, uh, rest in peace, uh, Beverly Shade. Okay, so let's get to this week's topic, guys. And it's about the bleeders and the brawlers. And when this was first put out on social media, and we kind of put it out there on last week's show, there was a little bit of a, a, a confusion. You know, do we want bleeders? Do we want brawlers? But here I feel like this is one of those, Mick, that as things started to trickle in and I started to see how this, pro how this show was going to be put together, it kind of combined into one, you know, the bleeders and brawlers pretty synonymous with one another. So before we get to it, uh, a brawler, I guess what we would be defined is you kind of associate them just with the, the fighting, the wild in and out of the ring, you know, they break the rules, not these technical savants, you know, not the, the Billy Robinson, the Vern Gagne's, you know, the ones that, are talked about today are less for their technical skills and more for the chaos and, and carnage. Is yeah. that fair to say? Absolutely. I mean, it, the, the, the Nick Bockwinkles, the Ray Stevens, the Adrian Adonis's of the world, they could brawl. Everybody could brawl. I mean, Rick Martell could brawl with Stan Hansen. That doesn't mean Rick Martell by definition was a brawler. So I, th I think it's pretty clear when people see this list, you're going to know those names. You're going to be, yep, I remember that guy took it into the uh, aisles and up into the seats. And I remember, you know, ring posts and chairs and tables. And that's kind of what we're looking for. Some of them bled more than others. Uh, you know, some people are going to say, hey, where's Bobby Heenan on that list? Bobby was a bleeder. He certainly wasn't a brawler. Uh, Bobby spent most of his time backpedaling and and running out of the ring and getting the Bleeders, brawlers, backpedalers. There you go. Hey, fantastic. But yeah, by definition, I think people know what we're talking about when we refer to the brawlers. Let's do this. Looking yes, forward sir. to this one. Okay. And for context, before we get going, if there's uh, an individual who is known, um, you know, there are some that are known as a tag team. The yeah. team itself is is going to be on there. And these were ones, we're going to put up 20 names, and these were chosen by the three of us along with listener input. So this was kind of a, a, a consensus, and it's not a definitive list, right. but and this is in no particular order. So this is a, a potpourri of the three of us and the feedback that we got with all of the, the comments. So does that, have we kind of... Yeah. I, I think that's great, Chris, and, and the emphasis on the tag teams, too. I mean, you, you, we could put Animal and Hawk as two different brawlers, but you know what? It's the Road Warriors. They, we know them as the Road Warriors. Yeah, uh, I so, mean, okay. so they, uh, you know, we'll, we'll combine those as one, but this is, a, this is a good list. There's a lot of tough guys on this list. All right, let's go ahead and kick it off with the first one. And again, no particular order, right. but we're going to kick it off with Gene Kaniski. Big Gene, Thunder. 
There, there we go. There's, there's Big Thunder Kaniski. Uh, Gene Kaniski was from an era where there were a lot of brawlers in the AWA. Uh, himself, Hardboiled Haggerty, Len Montana. A lot of guys were brawlers. I think arguably Gene is the most notable because he was a champion. He was the AWA singles champion at one point. He was the NWA singles champion at one point. He was a tag team champion. Gene did it all. And I'm telling you, when you talk about brawlers, Gene was one. Uh, not going to finesse you. Uh, he had a feud with Vern Gagne that they uh, even went to Metropolitan Stadium and, and fought on the uh, on the turf, on the infield grass. And, and uh, Gene was the real deal. Uh, he called himself Canada's greatest athlete, perhaps the greatest Canadian wrestler. And I'm including, you know, the Bret Hart's of the world. Uh, Gene Kaniski, absolutely a brawler, tough guy, didn't, didn't bleed a lot, but man, he would beat the shit out of you, pure and simple. Mick, um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure somebody out there will, but wasn't he the, the only man to hold the NWA and AWA championship? He absolutely was. It wasn't Pat O'Connor. Uh, it was uh, it was Gene Kaniski, and Gene, you know, he had the face of a pro wrestler. I mean, that picture that we put up there it was kind of a distant shot, but I'm telling you, Gene Kaniski had had the uh, the landscape of a guy who had been in the business for for many many years. And of course, he had Nick Kaniski follow him. His uh, son follow him, but he just didn't quite. Yeah, and, didn't and have the, other... the same didn't have the same flair as Big Thunder. Yeah, and, and the other son, too, Kelly Kaniski. Yes. So he, he did have that lineage, but Big Gene, Big Thunder, what what a guy. I'm surprised we're getting to this individual early. And, again, there's no particular order, but this one scared me, guys. Where is there, he? Oh, oh there, he is. there he is. Pompero Furpo who had wrestled here in the Twin Cities area early on before there was an AWA as Ivan the Terrible. And then he came back in the in the 60s, Papero Furpo, the wild bull of the Pampas, the crusher, of course, claiming that Furpo had everything in his hair, snakes and lizards and toads and, you know, mountain lions and everything else. Uh, they had a tremendous feud for a long, long time. Uh, Papero Furpo, and again, here's another guy, Maniac, like another man that we're going to have on our list, Mr. Bashan. Uh, Pompero Furpo wound up being a babyface here in the Twin Cities area, uh, you know, years later. And uh, nicest guy in the world. Passed away, you know, not all that long ago. Wound up working for the U.S. Postal Service uh, in, I believe, New Mexico. And uh, Pompero Furpo, legendary. Oh, my God, did this guy have a career everywhere you went. Not the biggest guy in the world. Joe, you know this, maybe maybe 5'7", you know, if, if we're pushing it. But he had that hair. He had the growl. And as you said, that that I'm not going to do the oh, yeah, I'll wind up. Oh, yeah. There you go. Nice job. <laughs> what, a, what an absolute legend, Pompero Furpo. So he went postal after... He was a wrestler. That's uh, some some irony there. Um, See what I, I, re I remember seeing in promos, he would take a metal bar, yep. made, you know, not not real thick, but still a good sized metal bar, put it the middle in his teeth, and bend it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So not only a bleeder, not only a brawler, but quite a bit crazy could be mixed into that for uh, the legendary Pompero Furpo, the, the the little wild man of the Pampas. Way, way to go, ladies and gentlemen. You nailed it. Absolutely. Let's go with our third one here, guys. This is a, a team that was on our list last week. And, of course, the what have we lost too soon, but uh, Scott and Bill Irwin, the Long Riders. I am really glad that, number one, that people – asked to put the long riders on this list, but between the three of us, it was a consensus too. Very underrated in the scheme of things in the history of the AWA. Of course, they wrestled as the masked super destroyers, uh, and, you know, in the, in the Southern part of the United States, 
but I love the long riders. Again, guys that liked to fight. Uh, Scott Hogg Irwin and uh, Wild Bill Irwin. Scott left us much too soon uh, due to uh, brain cancer, unfortunately. But I love the team. I love the loaded boot gimmick. And they were not going to go in there and give you a Hurricane Rana followed up by a flying head scissors. They were going to stick two fingers in your eye and kick in the nuts. And that's why they are on this list. They not only could brawl, but they could do a promo. And as I've long said, the one job that I've asked any wrestler to do, whether it's in the ring or in a promo, is to make me believe. They made me believe. Yes. And as I said in last week's episode, I think it was last week's, about the Long Riders, to me, they were the most legitimate opponents for the Road Warriors during their run in the AWA. They were the only ones that were on the other side of the ring that made me think there's even the slightest chance that the Road Warriors were finally going to lose. Didn't get that feeling with the fabulous mm -hmm. ones, a great tag team on their own, but the Long Riders could indeed brawl. Do that little biker brawl in the ring. And yeah, I love like Bill Irwin, I, I got to tell you. I mean, on a personal level, what a guy. What a funny, funny guy he is. And, and Joe, you, you mentioned it. At that point with the Road Warriors, you had to be able to match that physicality and the ability to fight. How many teams could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Road Warriors that you could believe they weren't going to outmuscle them? But if you could be aggressive and you could be dirty and you could cheat, you could beat the Road Warriors. Yeah, and that's exactly what they tried to do, match after match. I don't know the exact stats, but if I was to guess, there were more, more finishes were DQs than yeah. pinfalls when those four got into the ring. There you go. All right, let's uh, go to the next one here, guys. And go to an Olympic champion, a very, uh, well, someone that's known for having an edge. And, I mean, he could do it all. That's Ken Patera. When I use the term underrated for Ken Patera, people are going to shake their heads and say, what? what? What are you talking about? Underrated? I'm talking in brawlers. When you talk about guys that would go in there and mix it up and love to do it, by the way, uh, and just hammer and tong tooth and nail consistently, it was Ken Patera. Uh, his promos were Ken Patera. Uh, if he was taking a shot at you, uh, you knew it <laughs> in the promo. You know, there's that fine line between uh, shooting the work uh, but a legendary tough guy. And, you know, he was great in the AWA when he turned heel. But his his stint in New York uh, as a heel matches with Bob Backlund absolutely off the charts. And, and hats off to Ken Patera. You can't have a list of bleeders and brawlers without Ken. And this is not a shot at Ken when I'm going to say this. But Ken fit the role of a heel, uh -huh. of a brawler, and on the on the occasion, a bleeder. Um, his promos, uh, well, Mick, I mean, you, you, you had stated it earlier about that was Ken Patera, and what I saw in the early AWA Ken Patera was what Ken Patera was like. Not saying that he was, you know, that he was a dick or any anything along those lines. It was just he had that edge to him. He had that, I'm an Olympic strongman. You're not going to fuck with me because I'm going to kick your ass if you say anything bad about me. He was a legitimate tough guy and an AWA brawler. What I loved about Ken Patera's promos, they were not smooth. They were not finessed. Ken, a lot of times, would trip over his own tongue when he was doing a promo, but that would only serve to frustrate him even more. And then the anger built up. and uh, It boy, made it real. It made it real. Oh, absolutely. And, you yeah. know, we love Ken Patera for who he is, and that's that's why yeah. he's on this list. Yeah, absolutely. One thing, you, you want authenticity. 
right? Yes. And Ken Patera is as authentic as it gets. And that's one thing you have to respect him for. Ken Patera yep. is who he is. And you that's why he's one of the best that we've ever seen in the AWA. Uh, here's a, another team here, guys. Uh, uh, we'll get to it. Uh, let me see if I can bring it up there. There it is. Tiny Mills, Stan Kowalski. For an old-timer like me going way back, you know, I, I saw them when I first started going to the matches with my dad and my grandfather. Tiny Mills and Stan Crusher Kowalski, the first officially recognized AWA World Tag Team Champions. And Stan, of course, uh, went on to great acclaim here in the AWA area uh, as a manager of guys like Kobayashi and uh, Ivan Koloff. Um, the tag team itself, talk about brawlers. They called Tiny Mills the king of the lumberjacks. He was uh, billed from Camrose, Canada. I believe he, he resided in Malacca, Minnesota. Stan Crusher Kowalski, of course, born and raised in Minneapolis. They called the team Murder Incorporated. And back in the day, feuding with the likes of Vern Gagne, Joe Scarpello, Wilbur Snyder, Leo Namalini, Tiny and Stan were the real deal. And... There's a little bit of trivia, ladies and gentlemen, for you. If you're not uh, astute followers of the business, the first AWA Tag Team Champions, brawlers to a fault, bleeders, again, tough guys, mm -hmm. big, tough guys, Stan and Tiny. A couple of guys who were before my time, so I didn't have the um, privilege of watching them. They were um, disbanded uh, or not around anymore, I guess, by the time that uh, I could remember but I did work with uh, Stan in the 80s. Uh, he had a little segment called Big K's Corner. And one thing that I remember is Stan liked to talk, shall we say. And uh, oftentimes before we got into, a, uh, in, into the segment, in fact, if not every time, most every time, the warm-up would be longer than the actual segment. And then the wrap-up would be longer than the segment <laughs> and the warm-up. Um, great guy, but uh, yeah, Stan could talk. And from uh, Mick, I will take your word for it that these two were as badass as it got in the 1960s. Uh, I certainly uh, have heard stories about the two of them. And take those th two things together and yes, they deserve to be on the top 20 list. And Stan hated the, the Big K. He hated being called the Big K. He was Stan Crusher Kowalski. And, uh, you know, when Vern renamed him Big K out of deference to, you know, the Crusher, um, it, it did not set well with Stan. So when people refer to him as the Big K, he, you know, he, he got a little rankled. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Stan, I never forget, boy, he... When he was managing Kobayashi, he came out on TV one time after Kobe had destroyed one of the enhancement guys. And Stan said, Marty O'Neill, I took this man 17,000 miles, and I had to hold him back to keep him from killing this kid. We would have had a murder on television. So you know Stan was the real deal. No DNA would have been needed there. It would have been on television. <laughs> I love that. That is absolutely awesome. Uh, the uh, the next one we're going to get into a, a couple of a couple of guys that like to wear some black hats, which shall we say? And the first one, Bobby Duncan. So underrated. Bobby Duncan to me, one of the best of the big men in the business. His interviews, the the Texas Southern drawl. Uh, I believe he's another West Texas State uh, graduate. Bobby was was kind of overshadowed by his tag team partners, whether it was Ken Patera, Blackjack Lanza, whatever. But, I mean, big, bad Bobby Duncan was the real deal. And let's not forget, Bobby Duncan was the guy that cost Vern Gagne the heavyweight championship of the world uh, to Nick Bockwinkle when Bobby, you know, apparently saw Vern committing an infraction and, and jumped up on the ring apron, innocently enough, 
to try and, and uh, tell the referee about it. And Vern took a swing at him, and Bobby hit him back. And, you know, we got Nick as, as the champion. That's the way I saw it anyway. Uh, but big, bad Bobby Duncan, that Texas drawl, that uh, nothing good old country boy about him. And Bobby kind of disappeared uh, from the wrestling scene. His son, uh, Bobby Duncan Jr., of course, uh, wrestled for WCW and mm-hmm. tragically passed away way too young. So Bobby Duncan kind of off the radar, but again, big, tough brawler. Big, bad Bobby Duncan. He, it was not a, his gimmick was not a gimmick. Yeah, that's who he was. Even to this day, he's still a tobacco chewing, whiskey drinking Texas cowboy um, who I, you know, a case I think could be made that you still wouldn't want to mess with that big boy. No doubt. He was massive and he lived. He was the gimmick. The gimmick. No, the gimmick was Big Bad Bobby Duncan. And that's interesting because I think that's a theme that we've seen and that we're going to continue to see. Like the the individual, the gimmick is the person. It's There's no differentiation. Like this is who they were, and I think that's what made them so effective to be in this category. Do you agree? I, I agree completely. Personality-wise, outside of the ring, though, you know, we've talked about this before. Some of the brawlers, some of the bad guys and heels were the nicest guys you'd ever want to yeah. meet. Whereas some of the baby faces, good God, you know, their shit didn't stink. But uh, Bobby Duncan, the real deal. Let's go to someone that you just talked about as well. That was one of his partners, Jack Lanza. Jack, John Lanzo, uh, with an O on the end, um, went to school here in the the Twin Cities area, went to uh, parochial high school. I've said before, Jack was voted by the student body, the, the guy you least wanted to meet in the dark alley. And, uh, you know, that wasn't because his hair polish or his hair dye would come off on you if you got into a fight with him. Uh, Jack was a real, real tough, no-nonsense character. Came into wrestling as the baby-faced uh, Jack Lanza, cowboy Jack Lanza. And then, of course, uh, he teamed up with uh, Black Jack Mulligan, aligned himself with Bobby Heenan, and then Bobby Duncan, of course. And I'm telling you, when they talk about the respected tough guys in the business, Jack was one of them. No nonsense, straight ahead, outside of the ring, a pretty quiet guy, kind of kept to himself. Uh, As a matter of fact, the last several years of his life, he wanted nothing uh, to do with the wrestling business. But uh, legitimately, you did not want to mess around with Jack Lanson. There's a match, um, although, you know, you, you could call it sort of an extension of the AWA, and that was Bruiser's Territory in Indianapolis. It was um, Duncan, Lanza, and Bobby Heenan against Crusher, Dick the Bruiser, and Little Bruiser. And I bring up that match because... It was as entertaining of a match that we could possibly have. And Jack Lanza was an integral part of it. Of course, Heenan and Little Crusher, and, and they, they stole a show. But in that match, you could just tell that Jack was a badass. And you, Bobby wanted to tag him in as soon as possible so that he could <laughs> get out of this ring and Lanza could do what he needed to do. Tough guy. Yep. All right, let's go to the next one here, guys. We're about halfway through, so uh, let me see this one. And I think the marks on the forehead, they say it all, right? You know, he he wasn't here for all that long a time. Uh, And a lot of fans remember they did a a vignette on AWA TV where he pulled a full-size MTC bus, uh, you know, and, and he, so talk about strength. That's big Joe LaDuke. And uh, Joe came into the AWA. I believe he came in as a baby face, teamed up with Larry Henning. But uh, Joe also had some incredible brawls with Mad Dog Vashon. Uh, those scars on his head, Joe, Joe loved to bleed. 
I mean, he he did. He loved to bleed. Somewhere out there on YouTube, there's a, a video of him uh, doing doing a blood oath, uh, as it were, and taking an axe to his arm on live television and slicing himself open. Uh, so Joe LaDuke in the scheme of mm. things, this guy was a madman. Talk about believability. You didn't want to get anywhere in the way of Joe LaDuke when he was on a tirade. And Mad Dog did that. I'm yeah. remembering back when uh, uh, Joe LaDuke had a cast on his arm and couldn't wrestle, and so Mad Dog proceeded to, this was on All-Star Wrestling, proceeded to take that cast and smash it over the top ring post. Might have did a little damage and certainly created enough heat that I wanted to go to see them live at the Civic Center. And, and I'm glad we agreed on putting Joe LaDuke on the list because he belongs there. He is, he's legit. Very good. Let's go to the uh, the next one here, guys. Dusty Rhodes and Dirty Dick Murdoch. You can't separate the two, I, I don't think. I you Agree, know, agree. It, when it comes to this, they're a pack. When it comes to this, yes. And they, they both had individual success no question about it, all over the world, in the States, in Japan. Uh, Dusty Rhodes, of course, former NWA heavyweight champion. Dick Murdoch held several regional titles. Talk about, and Joe, you know this, talk about two guys who love to fight. You talk about living the gimmick. It was inside and outside the ring. The Flame Cafe, the Flame Restaurant on 14th and Nicollet, I believe was was pretty much demolished to toothpick size. Uh, whenever uh, Dirty uh, Dick Murdoch and, and Dusty Rhodes would finish uh, a, a a little post match imbibing uh, at the flame, but uh, Dusty and Dick, and again bleeders to a fault, the Texas Outlaws, and uh, there was nothing fancy or scientific again about Rhodes and Murdoch. Nothing. Period. And uh, Dusty, of course, very charismatic. Dick, in his own way, delivered some of the greatest promos in the history of wrestling. But how can you have a list and not put Rhodes and Burdock on there? That's a given. You, you bring up the situation at the, at the cafe, and the thought that just popped into my mind, or reminded me, if you will, it was very, you know, I'll explain professional wrestlers this way. Not all of them, but a good portion of them. They're grown-up men with a teenage mentality and the legal right to drink. And, <laughs> and Rhodes and Murdoch lived that mantra. They were able to still be their 16-year-old wild selves uh, when they're in their 20s and 30s. But now let's add a sprinkle or bottle or two of alcohol on top of it and well let's just say that they had some fun that's the best way that i can put it the Rhodes and murdoch legacy is uh legendary in the business there are stories about them and they're all true <laughs> <laughs> the next one guys is someone we did a, a show on just a couple of weeks ago one of the biggest transformations from villain to fan favorite Mountain from Stone Martin, Jerry Blackwell. Jerry Blackwell, the man who could throw a standing drop kick, weighing 472 pounds. Uh, Jerry was afraid of nobody, and that's a fact. Jerry would go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anybody, no matter how big, how small, how tough. If you were, <clears throat> excuse me, if you were a fan, if you were an usher, if you were Mad Dog Vashon, if you were the Crusher, it didn't matter to Jerry Blackwell. Um so underappreciated in terms of his overall toughness. But, Joe, how many times did we see him taking it outside the ring with Crusher, with Bruiser Brody, with the dog? Jerry Blackwell is instantaneously on a list of the best brawlers of all time. Got to throw in the bleeders. The, yeah. You know, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry liked the color quite a bit in, yes. in yes. his yes. career, especially – when you get in against Crusher and Bruiser Brody, um, legitimate tough guy, um, legitimate country boy from Stone Mountain, Georgia, with you know about a sixth grade education or eighth grade education at best, 
um, illiterate to a large degree, yeah. but one of the nicest and one of the toughest men to ever enter that ring. And he made me believe on more than one occasion. No doubt. God love you, Jerry. Let's go to the next one, guys. How about awesome. Larry the Axe? Larry Pretty Boy, Larry the Axe, Larry Heading. They don't make them much tougher, or they did not make them much tougher legitimately than Larry Hennig. Again, you know, Roger Kent used to say this guy is big enough and tough enough to go bear hunting with a switch, and he was. Uh, Larry, but Larry could wrestle. That's the thing. Larry was a high school champion here in the state of Minnesota. When he got into the business, he was a babyface, you know, pure and scientific, brought into the business by Vern Gagne. As time went on, Larry Hennig became one of the one of the real legendary brawlers tough guys whatever you want to say in the business and uh, i've talked about it many many times larry had so much opportunity to go someplace else and make a big splash occasionally he did that but he always returned home to the state of minnesota as big and tough legitimately as anybody i've said he's on my mount rushmore of the AWA and as a human being, uh, but you did not want to fuck around with Larry Henning, pure and simple. Nope. Um, if I've ever, might have to save it for another time to get through this, but I knew right away Larry was a tough guy at the first AWA Christmas party that I had done when he decided to just take a, a piss right there in our studio and I told Greg, and Greg just said, what, are you going to stop him? <laughs> okay, you're right. I'm not going to. <laughs> I don't think you'd stop a nice guy taking a leak. I mean, why would you want to go anywhere near that, let alone Larry Hennig? Very true. Oh. Let's go to the uh, the next one here, guys. Let me get the, the picture up here. And a dastardly villainous heel now ever so beloved. Uh, your friend, the Baron. Baron Von Raschke. Raschke from Nebraska. Jim Raschke, who entered the AWA with a, a personality that uh, the needle was below empty. Uh, but he, of course, transformed with the help of Mad Dog Vashon into one of the most hated at the time. Uh, stereotypical German wrestlers in the business, uh, Baron worldwide acclaim. And I misspoke on a previous podcast. I said that uh, Mad Dog wanted to call him Baron Von Onion. It was actually Baron Von Pumpkin. And, uh, you know, in, in either case, Baron didn't really want to go with that. He said, why don't we just go with my name? We'll call me Baron Von Raschke. Uh, goose stepping, eye gouging, chairs, tables, you name it. Uh, he did it all, teaming up with uh, Mad Dog Vashon, with Horst Hoffman. Uh, Baron, talk about a guy whose outside-the-ring personality belied what he did in the ring. Of course, he, he kind of softened over the years. Didn't change his style very much uh, when the fans uh, went to his side. But, again, Baron, a big, tough guy. And Baron would get his share of, of color. He did a little Picasso uh, many, many times during his career. The thing that I remember when Baron did color, and this is, um, you know, more during the time that I was there, I, I always told him, I said, Bobby did a little bit better because Bobby had the white bleach blonde hair. And so you'd get the blood coming out and it would just look a lot more ominous. So I told Baron, why don't you grow your hair and, and, and dye it blonde? And he just looked at me. And laughed. He goes, if I could do that, I'd make a million dollars to be able to regrow my hair. Well, that's the thing. What were you expecting, Joe? The, 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 man, the man was a bowling ball. I mean, he, you know, outside <laughs> of the three holes in his head. Uh, he, he, and nothing you can do there. But, I, again, boy, was he hated at the time. And especially, you know, in Bruiser's territory, wrestling against Dick the Bruiser. Uh, Baron, we love you. Still going strong and 80-some years old. Let's get to the next one here, guys. And uh, one we just talked about a couple of weeks ago, he lost, he uh, left us 
not too long ago, and that's the late superstar Billy Graham. Why do you say he's a bleeder? Yeah, can you imagine that? <laughs> uh, superstar Billy Graham, uh, what can you say? I mean, it, it, it's been said many, many times what, what a phenomenal flamboyant personality he was. And again, you're not going to get a 20-minute Luthez match out of superstar Billy Graham. From the get-go, uh, he was feuding with Crusher. He was feuding with Wahoo McDaniel. Joe, you mentioned, you know, strap matches before we got on the air. Uh, superstar absolutely loved to get color. He loved to brawl. He might have been the most hated, most over heel champion in the history of the WWF. I will say that. I mean, he just blew the roof out of Madison Square Garden. Uh, legendary, and you know, if you watch the original Vern Gagne movie, The Wrestler, uh, Superstar comes back to the locker room after a match with Wahoo McDaniel, and he says, look at what they did to me, Doc, I'm going to need stitches tonight. Well, I think that was an every night occurrence with Billy Graham. He looked forward to it. He did, he did. Not just the match, he looked forward to getting into the ring and brawling. Not wrestle, but brawling. And if there's color to be had, he was at the front of the line every time. You got it. Well, here's another one, guys, that he was known for it, and he was kind of a late addition. Uh, why was Wahoo a late addition to this? Well, there's Wahoo with uh, with Manny Fernandez. Manny Fernandez, yes. Oh my God, did they have some feuds uh, towards the, the the latter run of the AWA? Uh, we we kind of waffled on this one because Wahoo was was kind of on the precipice a little bit, uh, but Joe and and you absolutely convinced me. Uh, Wahoo, the reason that I personally kind of hesitated a little bit was Wahoo was not necessarily what you would say. Oh yeah, he was a brawler because Wahoo could wrestle in the ring, and he did that to a fault. But when it push came to shove, like you said, with the matches with Billy Graham, Manny Fernand, all over the world, if you if you name a guy that Wahoo feuded with, Wahoo's head was a, a, a stinking geyser, old faithful, night after night after night, and what a tough SOB he was. He loved to color, and you're right about his uh, the railroad tracks on his forehead. I remember him coming into the studio after a taping that we had done at the showboat. So this would have been two days later, and uh, he had, you know, he was all bandaged up. Um, might have bled a little bit on, on that Saturday night taping, and... He took the Band-Aid off, and he asked me, you know, how does it look? And he, I go, it looks like shit. He just takes, you know, he was, it wasn't bleeding, but he had so many railroad tracks, and then when you have the indentation, you're going to have the bump. So Wahoo just does this. Boop. Just squirt yes. it out. And I'm like, and you find this fun? He goes, it's a living there you go. And a lot of guys could eventually do that. Just they had that scar tissue. They would touch themselves and boom, mm -hmm. there it was. But Wahoo, what a tough guy. Hardest chop in the business. Just ask Colonel LeBeers. I can attest to that. Yep, I did. I was dumb enough to ask him to do it to me one time. One time was enough. Well, he didn't do it hard enough. Okay. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> All right. Now, here's uh, got about 15 minutes left here, guys. The Road Warriors. What can you say? I, I mean, you know, if you're a fan of, of pro wrestling from the early 1980s, right on down the line, and you think of brawlers, Animal and Hawk, Joe Laurinaitis, Mike Hegstrand, uh, they epitomized what it was to be a tough guy. In a lot of ways, they revolutionized the business. Uh, there were always tough guys, but the Road Warriors, when they started out, would steamroll through everybody. I mean, literally steamroll. And that's how they got their national reputation, especially on uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. Um, Eddie Sharkey brought these guys into the business. They loved tossing people out of the bar at Grandma's, our Grandma B's. And, uh, you know, they continued tossing guys out of the ring and out of the bar and out of life uh, throughout their career. Just, you know, they're it. They are the epitome. 
I've said it many times, they, along with Hulk Hogan, for me, changed the way professional wrestlers, to me, were presented. Mm-hmm. Big, muscular guys. The, the, the one knock that I'll say about the Road Warriors is that they couldn't sell water to a dying man in the desert, um, which is part of their gimmick. It was sort of aligned with the Bruiser Brody thing. They were very... Uh, very aware of their brand and they're not going to be stuck one, two, three or lose in the ring unless there was a major, major, major screw up or fuck up, shall we say. Much like the uh, Freebirds interfering to help Garvin and Regal defeat the Road Warriors for the AWA championships. Legendary. They're- and they're And they're so influential when you get a good reaction, when a wrestler is really over, what do they call it? The Road it's Warrior Road Pop. Road Warrior Pop. Absolutely. The Road Warrior yep. Pop. I mean, yep. you hear, you know, that Iron Man, and, and it oh. was just like that. That was it. That was that was the one. Yep. Maybe one of my all-time favorites. He had my favorite promo of all time. But there he is, Mad Dog. If you say brawler and you don't put Mad Dog Vashon on the list, you're full of crap. I mean, pure and simple. Uh, about five foot eight, five foot nine of pure fury. You That's generous. Yeah, it was. You're, you're absolutely right. Maybe if he's standing on a Chicago phone book. <laughs> uh, but Mad Dog Vashon, <laughs> you, you can't emphasize enough just how tough this guy was. And the, the biggest, toughest guys in the world will tell you the guy that beat the crap out of me more than anybody was Mad Dog Vashon. Uh, again, started out as Maurice Vashon, amateur wrestler, uh, Olympic wrestler from Canada, not from Algeria. Uh, when he adopted the Mad Dog persona, it absolutely took off from there. Uh, what can you is say? That dog, is, that, is that Mad Dog? Is that dog? Is that dog? Is, I, I'm being visited. I'm being visited by the ghost of the dog. Uh, but how many noses did this guy bite off? How many eyes did he pull out? And talk about a guy who loved to bleed. And, of course, his legendary fountain of blood on television against the Crusher. We're going to talk about that in coming weeks. But uh, outside the ring, a pussycat. Inside the ring, oh, my God, was this guy tough. You know, the, you've heard stories about um... – like chihuahuas being really mean-ass dogs. Just a little, tiny, small little thing. You go up to pet it, yep, yep, yep. That was Mad Dog. A little, Joe, you, you dated you, some people like that, didn't you? That, well, I, married you, one. you know? I married one. But, <laughs> but no, Mad, Mad Dog, the, the, the little guy who was as badass of a dog... He, he was more of a junkyard dog than junkyard dog was. Far and away. With yes. no disrespect to JYD, because he's a whole legend in himself. Mad dog. If he wasn't on this list, this would have been my last podcast here. <laughs> Next time I'll- we'll leave him off the list. <laughs> oh god damn. Oh, oh hey oh there wow. moving ahead I, I was ready to, i was ready to move on we got like 11 minutes if you want to sit here and bash each other no i want to no, talk I about the crusher bad about mick karch as far as he knows i i, I love <laughs> i love chupik uh crusher and bruiser you can't separate the two although i think in terms of the awa fans uh crusher was the guy Bruiser would come in occasionally to team up with Crusher, former AWA Tag Team Champions, lost the title to uh, Larry Hennig and Harley Race. Bruiser was over huge in his own territory, uh, primarily in the Indianapolis area, uh, where he and uh, Wilbur Snyder co-promoted, of course, massively over in Chicago. Not so much in the Twin Cities, but the styles very similar. Of course, they were kayfabe cousins. That was the storyline, the Crusher and Dick the Bruiser. But again, in the history of, of pro wrestling, when you talk about AWA and brawlers and absolute out-of-control chaos, the Crusher and Dick the Bruiser. I want to take back what I said about Mad Dog. I want to say it about Crusher and Bruiser. If they, if they weren't on this list, I'd be gone. Shut up, Karch. <laughs> no, they deserve to be on there. They, they were... 
legendary before the roll. Oh, my God. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We went right to Angelo Mosca. Ping Big pong. nasty. Ping, pink, ping pong, according to Larry Henning. Uh, Larry would do these promos where he would talk about Angelo Mosca, ping pong, monkey man, banana ears. He would call him every name in the book. But Angelo Mosca, another one, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, legitimate tough guy. How many guys, Chris, do we know outside of maybe you that would go in front of a TV camera and comb your chest hairs? Angelo Mosca did. Oh, please don't. Angelo Mosca did it. Uh, he did it well. He teamed up with Super Destroyer here, uh, Don Jardine in the AWA, managed by uh, Lord Alfred Hayes. Had a torrid feud with Larry Hennig. They even had football helmet matches against each other. Angelo Mosca was one of the toughest wrestlers who ever lived. His son got into the business. Uh, Angelo Mosca Jr., of course, did not have near the success uh, that his dad did. But what a legend. Big, nasty Angelo Mosca. Hated the guy. Legitimately hated the guy. Not, not the man outside the ring, because I didn't know him outside the ring, but inside the ring, hated the guy. Couldn't wait to see him get his ass kicked by Larry the Axe Henning. But he stood toe-to-toe with Larry the Axe Henning, mm-hmm. and we've already talked about what a badass Larry was. So Angelo, yep, Angelo King Kong Ping Pong Monkey Man Mosca deserves to be on the list. Let's go to the Lariat, you guys. Oh. Stan the Lariat Hansen. I, I I don't know that you can talk about one without the other, and the other will be coming up. Yeah, I, I mean, if if you know Stan, you know who the last one on our list is going to be. Yeah, Stan Hansen. Again, another one of these guys that loved to fight uh, from Borger, Texas. You know, he had a fat wife and nine kids at home that he had to feed. And that's why he was as as brutal as he was in that ring. Stan, like Baron Von Rash, he could not see a foot in front of him. Uh, so totally nearsighted. He come out to the ring waving that cowbell around. And if you were an usher, the popcorn guy, whoever didn't, six-year-old kid in the front row, you better, you know, have a football helmet on because he, he, did, he, he didn't know it and he didn't care. Uh, Stan Hansen, as tough as anybody that has ever appeared in the wrestling ring, broke Bruno Sarantino's yeah. neck, uh, as the story goes, with a clothesline you know, or lariat in Madison Square Garden, outside of the ring again, belied by the you know his his personality, nicest guy in the world, Stan Hansen. But again, here's a guy, Joe. You know him well. Larry Nelson knew him well. You didn't screw around with Big Stan. I think I'm safe to say when I say that during my time in the AWA, editing the matches uh, of Stan Hansen, watching the matches in the truck, he was he was the wrestler when I'm watching him that I did the oh shit more than any other wrestler. And it was with his lariat. Mm-hmm. He... You're right, Mick. He could not see shit. So he's in the ring without his glasses on, and you're trying to – you're waiting for him to give the lariat. I can only imagine being on the receiving end of of what you think is going to happen, and then when it happens, it's ten times worse than what you thought was going to happen. Stan, yeah, badass. He and his partner, uh, who shall remain nameless until we, you know, keeping a kayfabe, who the last guy is, right? No, Nobody knows. Nope. But Stan Hansen, I mean, my goodness, he, he was as wild as they were coming right out of the locker room and then right into the ring. Hell, even into the post-match interview, no fan, no wrestler, and no announcer were safe when Stan the Lariat Hansen was on camera. Off camera, legitimate nice guy. He and Rick Martell had a tremendous feud. I mean, oh, Kaminsky Park! It went into the dugout! Fabulous, <laughs> fabulous. It was always an over and under when Stan got in the ring. How many teeth would be flying from the guy's mouth after a, uh, after a, a Lariat? So, 
Big Stan. Love the guy. Yeah, here's uh, here's the last one, guys. Got about five minutes wow. and Gee, no who could it be? Oh, come on. Don't tell me it's not gonna show up. It's I have the it unknown right there. comic. I have no. it right there. Wait a minute. Add... Oh, for fuck's sake. It come on. <laughs> Oh no! We might have, we, we we might have to build this up till next week. We might. Is have this to... a card subject to change? Moment. <laughs> Apparently, it is. Let Listen, me, uh... come on, guys. There's nobody out there that doesn't know who we're talking about. So, picture or not, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, the legendary Frank Goodish, Bruiser Brody. Uh, when you think of brawlers in wrestling, he's the guy that you think of first. Uh, not only here in the States, the last outlaw, no question about it, did his own thing, marched to his own drummer continuously. In Japan, you watch some of that old footage, and I love this. He's up, you know, in the balcony in the rafters, and people are spreading, the, the Japanese fans, like the Red Sea is party, because this guy just didn't care. Whether it was a chair, a table, a fan, a ring post, he didn't care. And uh, Bruiser Brody, as I said, he did his own thing. <laughs> again, again, Chris to the rescue. And that's Bruiser kind of in a quiet moment, actually, uh, for him, uh, yanking his own hair out. Smart move, Chris. You keep that phone with you every week. You never know when we're going to, you know, that great stuff. That's why you are who you are. Uh, but Bruiser Brody, that's uh, what can you say, Joe? I mean, it, he's it. He's the be-all, end-all. We had 20 great names that we just unveiled. Um, if we had to rank them, Bruiser Brody is at the very top of my list for all-time brawlers, not just here in the AWA, but everywhere that he went. And Frank was very protective of his brand, as I had mentioned earlier with the Road Warriors. Um, he wasn't going to be pinned one, two, three. That would wreck the gimmick. And sadly, I mean, we don't, I, I don't know, I should say the real reasons, but spec, some speculations are that that sort of unfortunately led to part of his demise down uh, south of the border. But uh, Bruiser, I mean, Stan Hansen came out and was uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. Let's double that, and you have Bruiser Brody. Not King Kong Brody. Ah. Bruiser, Bruiser Brody. Brody. Yes. Yeah, the yep. King Kong Brody gimmick. I understand why the AWA did it, but he's, he's Bruiser Brody. Yeah, nobody, no, when you talk about him, nobody says King Kong Brody. Again, you understand why he had to be King Kong Brody here. But at the end of the day, it's Bruiser Brody. Well, there Everybody were even times knows. on our broadcasts where it was King Kong Bruiser Brody. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's nah, a little bit too long for the Chiron. I need to shorten that up. Can we go yeah. with just Bruiser Brody? You know, short, you short of Stan Hansen, there's Brody and then there's everybody else. Yeah. Yep. Pure and simple. So yep. Yep. great list. Great list, guys. Yep. Let's get to some shout out to your guys. Uh, Mick, you go first. We've got about 90 seconds. All right. Shout out to Adam Pierce. It is official. My good buddy, Adam Pierce, who I saw wrestling at the age of 19. And I hope I'm not doing any gimmick infringement by even mentioning his name on, on this podcast. A great friend. He did it the right way. He's at the top of the business. God bless you. Love you, Adam Pierce. My shout out this week sort of ties into what we're doing. And that's everybody at Crusher Fest. They had another one this past weekend. And uh, I, all I can say is thanks for keeping the memories alive of my personal all-time favorite wrestler, the one, the only, the Crusher. And I'm going to go with Jeff Capel, who is a big follower of ours, uh, you know, continues to always give us some great feedback on YouTube. So, uh, Jeff, this is uh, this is for you, my friend. All right, I uh, want to thank 7th Avenue Pizza and Soda Stick. You want pizza, you want some swag to rep the AWN Unleashed Army, that's uh, where you go. What are we doing next week, guys? we got about 30 seconds here. we got a fun one next week. We're going to relive the memories of the AWA TV studio. 
some of the angles and promos that uh, that happened over the years. And God, there were so many of them. Great, great fun memories. Are they going to be memorable moments or the best moments? Because I'm trying to figure out whether or not we take anything from the Team Challenge Series studio. And no, no I, that, hey, that's why I'm asking for. Oh, I think I gave them the drizzling shits. <laughs> <laughs>